we're gonna we're gonna give the time to uh, to Dr. Cabwell and to Reverend Linderman to share and to explain. So, Dr. Cabwell, come on up. The time is yours. All right. I'm. Uh, last time I was here, I was standing, <laughs> and uh, but I'm I'm really glad that uh, Brother Burgraff invited me to come. I said in a wheelchair. He said that's okay, and. Uh, so uh, we'll do the best we can do today. Uh, I want to, first of all, uh, introduce uh, Brother Linderman. He came with me to teach once at SBI. And one day he came to me and said, uh, Brother Cadwell, I resigned my church. I said, you did? And I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go to Ukraine with you. Uh, he didn't ask me if I could, if he could, or uh, you know anything about it. He just said I'm going, and, and uh, he's been a, a terrific second man. Uh, does most of our uh, does all of our t teaching. He teaches, and we have another teacher also uh, in our sessions. But uh, he's been a, a real blessing to me, and uh, he's if you want a second man. Uh, you don't get him, but uh, he certainly has been uh, an outstanding uh, help to me as far as the, the ministry in Ukraine is concerned. Uh, we'll talk to you more about Ukraine, and he'll mention some things about Ukraine. Uh, I do want to, uh, we're going to show you a DVD. Uh, it's uh, you have to understand, the moment you make one, it's out of date. Uh, so uh, some of the things, some of the numbers uh, that you'll hear uh, are not up to date, but it, it'll give you at least a, a perspective of what our ministry uh, is like over in Ukraine. And also, uh, I, I've never been a John R. Rice selling a lot of books, but... Uh, I have published a, a book from the cornfields to the mission fields. Uh, it goes into uh, uh, our ministry. I've been to over 60 countries preaching the gospel. And uh, so there's a lot of good stuff in here. Might be some stuff that's not so good. I don't know. Uh, but uh, we have these available. They're $12 for the book if you buy 10 or more. They're ten dollars, and uh, I've got several hundred, so you can buy as many as you want. But uh, these are available, and Brother Burgraff cleared it. He said it's okay to do it, so uh, we want you to to avail yourself of those. My wife will be back at the table between uh, Sunday school and church, and that after church. Uh, anything else I need to say? Uh, she has to remind me sometimes of what I didn't say. Uh, so I think we'll uh, uh, go ahead and show you the DVD, and then Brother Linderman will uh, uh, take uh, the rest of the time and uh, trust that we can be a blessing to you today uh, here at Faith Baptist. Well, good morning. It is my privilege to be here today. And as I looked at those pictures, it brought back a lot of memories. See, some of those students who 
were in there, and they, and they were students at the time, now graduated and preaching and pastoring. Uh, that thrills my heart. And I come here today and just say that I am so glad that God has given me the opportunity and call to Ukraine. I had two prayers as pastoring. I pastored for 30 years. And I had two prayers toward the last 10 years of my pastoring. I prayed that, because I was in a small church, this was unusual that I would, very difficult thing that I would ever get to visit a foreign mission field. So I pray, Lord, let me visit this one mission field somewhere, just one time, and I'll be pleased. And then another part of my prayers, and I had some other pastors praying with me about this. We had banded together and asking the Lord to open the doors. And the second prayer was, Lord, I would love to teach in a small Bible college somewhere to share the experiences I've had and to share the Word of God and just try to be a blessing to young men as they come along. Well, in 1999, Dr. Cadwell in a preacher's meeting in Indianapolis was looking for some teachers. And I went and talked to him, and well, the rest of the story is really simple. He said, yes, you can go. And, uh, and, I, and he has to be cautious with the men that go. I mean, that's a precious thing and a very important thing. And I asked if I could go, and he we talked a little bit, and he said yes. And I went in 2000, May of 2000, and God did something to my heart there that I never had felt before. The first day we were there, before classes even started, I knew this is what God wanted me to do. But yet I loved the pastorate. I loved teaching and preaching to God's people and reaching out to my community, reaching souls. But God put a burden in my heart before I left Ukraine on that first trip. It wouldn't go away. You know, at first you think it's emotion stirring and excitement and all of that, but when I got home and it wouldn't quit. I talked to several pastors about what was going on and Asked them what they thought. I was trying to get confirmation from my own heart. Hey, Brother Carl, sounds like you need to go to Ukraine. <laughs> okay. So I said, okay, the final test. No, not the final test, second test. I was going to talk to my deacons. Shared my heart with them. And a special meeting. And I shared what was going on in my heart and life and every one of the deacons almost in unison immediately brother Carl we love you but you need to go to Ukraine wow and then when I went to brother Cadwell I need to go to Ukraine I tried pastoring for a while and doing Ukraine both and there's not enough of me to do both some guys can do it this guy can't and God has given me the great privilege of reaching out to people in Ukraine. Been on several of those mission trips with the students. Some fond memories of that, getting on the train with them there in Hillaminsky and going to a village way out in the boonies, 
you get off the train and you walk for another 20 minutes before you get to the village and going door to door and person to person on the street and in the pathways giving out gospel tracts, inviting them to meetings and the preaching times and that was that was a great time in my life all I can say is please take this and because I do not know the language I have a real serious hearing problem and uh, so it's really been picked up a few words but to carry on the conversation in Russian or Ukrainian it's not going to happen but God is blessed anyway I want to share some things with you this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 I'm going to share some numbers with you as you turn there. There's been a survey taken. I know there's surveys or surveys and all kinds of things. All kinds of numbers can come out, but this one is is a shocking number to me. The the survey has to do with those in the local church are doing their part in the ministry or any part in the ministry in the local church. The survey goes like this. There are 15 to 20 percent of Christians... Maybe I better back up to only 15 to 20 percent of Christians are actually serving in the local church in a productive way. That's shocking. All of us are part of the body of Christ. All of us ought to be involved in some way or other. I heard a young man after the close of service in our church two weeks ago on Sunday morning. He came to me after service and I was still down front and he said, Brother Carl, and he's a busy young man. He does a lot of janitorial work at the church. He's involved in the bus ministry on Sunday morning as well as Wednesday night and getting King's kids there and, and working with the King's kids all during that time and several other things. And Brother Carly says, I think that's more that I need to do. What can I do? Wow. What do you tell a guy like that? No. <laughs> He's already doing something. And we prayed together and I said, okay, Joe, this is, and his name is Joe, by the way. Joe, if you want to do this, you can find some times when I'm here in the office or when I'm going on visitation, you can be my backup man. You can go with me. We talk to people about Jesus, invite people to church, visit the young people, whatever. He says, you know, I think I can do that. And so Joe are our visiting people that need help and they need to hear the word of the Lord. Because I needed a backup man. I didn't have one. God sent him to me already. And Joe's a fine man. I really, you know, and we think about it. Everybody can do that. How hard is it for us to get out of our house and go with somebody, at least go with somebody, and share the gospel with people, give out a gospel track, and invite them to church? Those are the easy things to do. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, preacher, missionary, but everybody ought to be able to do something. Let me continue with the survey. Of that 15 to 20 percent, some carry more burden than they should. That's the word from the people who took the survey. And they asked the question, why? The answer is because they see the need and no one else is doing it. The survey goes on. Some simply tire 
and cease work, they give up, they quit. And of course, they want to know why. Here's the result of that. They lose the vision of pressing toward the mark and finishing the course. The burden has gotten so heavy and they lose the vision because it's gotten to be too much. Then also, number three, a few people of that 15 to 20 percent get an inflated sense of self-importance because they lose the vision of the body working and each part is in its necessary thing and they think they're so important. And actually they're doing it out of the flesh. I want to talk about ministry this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm looking for a clock. Oh, I'll just have to watch here. Okay. Uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 2, especially in chapter 2 and going all the way through chapter 6, he's talking about ministry and being involved in ministry, whether it be a missionary or pastor or in, in local church involvement, whatever that might be, this all applies. What I want to talk about this morning in chapter 5 is motivation. What motivates or ought to motivate a person, a Christian, to serve the Lord? in his local church. First of all, I want to, we could read the first several verses of chapter 5, but I just want to note a few of them. Where the Apostle Paul says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed, be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked or destitute. Many things we could bring from this passage. The whole sermon is here. But what Paul is saying is saying, God's Word is saying, we have the promise of a new home. Now, I know he's, Paul uses the word house here, but he's talking about our body. But we do have a house promised for us in heaven. Our Lord Jesus in John chapter 17, those first three verses, many of you I'm sure are very familiar with those verses. The Lord Jesus has gone to heaven and he's preparing a place for us in the Father's house. That's where we're going. And I mean, that's exciting to me. I have a little house, a little house in Winnemac, Indiana, a little place. You might, if you have to look real close to find it on the map, a little place, a little farming community. You know what? I love my little house. It's plenty for me and my wife. And we enjoy the ministry that we've had there for so many years, and we enjoy the ministry that we're having in Hillcrest Baptist in Logansport now. It's just a short, just a short drive away. Somebody has, several people have said, well, why don't you get a nicer house or a bigger house? I said, why do I want that? I have more upkeep. You know, I don't need anything bigger. And I think, God's got a better place for me. I'm going to get there one day, and I'll enjoy it that much more after I've lived in a little house here. I guess. That's yeah, a good comparison. But we have a home in heaven. You notice in verse 2 that Paul says, We earnestly desire it. The older I get, the more fondly I think of going home to heaven. 
meeting my Lord and being there. And Paul says, he expresses, it's a, I earnestly desire that body, that place that we're going to be. A friend of mine, a preacher, several years ago, it's been three years ago now, almost May will be three years a godly man had lost his wife. They'd been married for 60 years. When I met him, his wife had already gone. And we would sit and talk, and he would talk about how much he loved his wife and what he was looking for to seeing his wife and being with the Lord once again. That desire to be in heaven. I never told, I don't think I ever told Brother Cadwell this story, but the day before I went back to Ukraine three years ago, in May, I visited this man, he was in the hospital, didn't expect, the doctors did not expect him to live. And I wanted to see him at least one more time. So I go to the hospital and the family's there. Brother Yurik said, well, Carl, why don't you pray, pray with me? I said, okay. And he said, I want you to pray that, Lord, take me home. I have never prayed that way before. Never. Because God's in charge. I knew this man's heart. And believe it or not, I did pray that way that day. It's the only time in my life I've ever prayed that way. As I held his hand, and I remember when I said, Lord, he's tired. He'd like to come home. Would you take him home? And he just grabbed my hand and he just shook it. Yeah. Had that longing, that desire to put away this flesh and be there. Boy, that's amazing, isn't it? Secondly, we see in this passage the simplicity of faith down in verse 7. It's actually in a parenthesis in our text, but it's such a, a big verse. For we walk by faith, not by sight. If we depend on what we see happening and the things that are done all the time, <laughs> we'd give up and quit. At least I would. I want to see more, but we have to walk by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And we walk by God's grace through faith today as well. We walk by faith, not by sight. We do what God wants us to do, and God is going to bring the reward. And actually, that comes up in just a couple of verses. We do it by faith. We trust God. He gives the call, He gives the direction, He gives the leading, and then we follow Him, do what He wants us to do, trusting Him each step of the way. In James chapter 2, we'll not turn there, but God's Word said it's in James 2, verses 17 and 18, and I'll shorten it a little bit. James says, you... Talk about your faith. You say you have faith. I show you my faith by my works, by my actions, what I do. Here's, my Here's one challenge for you today. How much faith do you have? Are you trusting God every day? Are you following the Lord's leading for your life? 
And if you are, you will be busy in the ministry of local church in some form or fashion. You can at least pray. One of the fun memories I have in my church in Little Winnemite, I had three ladies that sat fourth row back on the right. All three of them widow ladies. They're grown old and gnarled and you know, they couldn't do the meal things even for fellowship times. I mean, they were just, they were just happy to be at church. But I found out one thing to be very true in these ladies' lives. They were my biggest prayer warriors. They would call me from time to time, preacher. I want to pray, but is there anything special I need to pray about today? Can I, how can I pray for you? What, what is something in your life we need to pray about? That was these ladies. Boy, that's a tremendous ministry to go in, in an intercessory type way before my Heavenly Father praying for me. I can't ask for any more than that. I could tell you a lot of other stories, but time will <laughs> about those ladies. They were the sweetest gals. Number three, look at verse nine. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. I'm not going to use the Greek word, but the word there accepted is not just that, okay, you're okay. No, it goes beyond that. It has the idea of being well-pleasing in his sight. That he's pleased with what we're doing. Wherefore, we labor, we work, we do the ministry that we may be accepted, we may be pleasing to Him. There are several verses of Scripture. I just want to run through some real quick here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, We're to walk worthy, pleasing Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, we do those things pleasing in His sight. John chapter 8, verse 29, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I, all, I do always those things that please Him. Wow. Aren't we supposed to be like Christ? We need to be pleasing to, my, to our Heavenly Father. If you know Christ as Savior, we need to think about every part of our life. Is God pleased with how I'm walking? Is God pleased how I'm serving? I need to be pleasing in His sight. Number four. By the way, this one thing is, is a driving force for my life. If there's one thing that in my life that, that motivates me for ministry, it's simply this. So when I get to heaven, I see my Lord Jesus Christ. I want to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's enough. Number four. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what that done, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There is the bema seat coming one day, folks. The rapture is going to take place, and we're going to be there. 
will be facing our Lord Jesus Christ. And I know there are rewards and crowns that's going to be given out. And I sure want to have a crown that I can lay at Jesus' feet that we read about in Revelation chapter 4 when we see the church represented by the 24 elders that are there and they cast their crowns at Jesus' feet. Because He deserves them. He is the reason it all happens. I want to have something to give to my Lord. Can you imagine how embarrassing, at least from a human standpoint, it would be to have nothing to give? He deserves all the honor. By the way, Romans 14, 12 says, each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. There's no escaping that. Each and every one of us. Now you say, oh, that's he's talking about. No, I'm not talking about lost people. That context in Romans chapter 14 is to believers. We will give an account of ourselves to God. I want to have a good reckoning. By the way, there is judgment coming on ungodly men. That's what we see in verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. By the way, is your neighbor to the right of you, left of you, across the street from you, do you know if they're saved or not? Do you know if they have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ? They're headed for eternity somewhere. They're going to face God one day, either as a believer or an unbeliever at the great white throne judgment. That's where they'll face God as an unbeliever. And to hear the words of the Lord is similar with saying, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't want their blood on my hands. I want to be a witness wherever I go, whatever I can do. All of my neighbors are not Christians, but they know they need the Lord because I told them so. Is it that hard? Do you love your neighbor enough? Jesus says, our Lord told us to love our enemies. Hmm. You know, the big news today is the Muslim Islam thing. If you knew a person was a Muslim and they were dressed in the garb, would you try to give them the gospel? Would you try to find some way that you could peaceably give the gospel to someone like that? You don't know their heart. They might be, have a tender heart. They might be tired of the, the deadness of their religion. They need Jesus. I did some work for almost 20 years for a man that was in a Lutheran church. He never went to church. Not very much anyway. His wife went all the time. I'd do some work with him. And he said, Carl, come up and sit on the porch with me for a while. And it's summertime and hot. And I'm all sweaty and everything. And he said, Lucy will bring some lemonade out for us. We'd sit there and talk. What do you think I did? Conversation coming around about knowing Christ. And as time went on, of course, the man passed away. Family came to me and Carl, we'd like for you to do the funeral. You talked to dad. You told him about Jesus. The Lutheran pastor don't want to have anything to do with it. I said, fine. Quite a privilege. 
when you have to use witness to someone and you see the struggles that they've gone through with some other body's religion like that and, and it just you they come to Jesus and it's just I can tell you lots of stories like that. One guy on the golf course. I play, used to play uh, regular golf in, in some tournament type stuff a little bit, local area on the league. And one reason I wanted to play on the league was that I could get the gospel out to people. Plus, I love to play golf. You do two things at the same time that way. We'd play a few holes of golf, and I'd get, get out some gospel tracks and give it to those we playing. It's probably the only time that season you're going to play with those, against those guys anyway. I could tell some funny stories how people reacted. One guy broke a golf club on the next shot. I didn't want that. But one day a guy came to me. I could see him coming across. This, by the time we were figuring out where we was going to start, he was coming toward me. You know, you'd know when somebody's coming after you. And he was like, Carl, I want you to baptize me. I said, what? And, he said, and I said, hey, we don't have time to talk about this right now. You'll be in my office tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, and we'll talk about baptism. And I wasn't saved. And I explained what baptism is all about, and it's all about knowing Christ Jesus first. And I explained the gospel to him in a very simple way. He trusted Christ. When it came time for his baptism, he invited all of his neighbors, all of his unsaved neighbors to the baptism service. And I said, I want you to give a testimony before I put you under the water. He said, oh, I got all this. And I said, wait a minute. His name was Bob. I said, wait a minute, Bob. I'll do the preaching. You give the testimony. And his children said, what did you do to dad? I just gave the gospel to him. There's all kinds of ways you can share the gospel. All right, we better, better quit here pretty quick. Verse number 14. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not thenceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Jesus died for you, paid the price for you, has redeemed you, and has changed your life. I know my life was drastically changed. I grew up on a sharecrop farm out in the middle of nowhere. I mean nowhere. It was two miles to our nearest neighbor. 20 miles to the nearest town. And my life was not growing up. I did not grow up in a Christian home. My dad was a drunkard. My mom was a heavy smoker. And everything that went with those kinds of stuff that you normally think of. My life was a total wreck. It was so bad that at 18 years old, when I could legally account for myself, I left home. That's when God got a hold of my heart. I knew I had to get in the Bible. So where do you start reading when you open a book? Well, I started reading in the book of Genesis. Boy, God did all of that? I was just dumb enough to believe that what the Bible said was true. I've investigated it, and I'm more convinced now than ever. 
I read about Jesus. Some people told me about Jesus. God got a hold of my heart as an 18-year-old young man. My life has not been the same since. I'm just simple enough. I said, okay, God, you saved me. What do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want me to do. With whatever I have, whatever I am, I'm yours. And I think it was at least no more than two weeks away I knew God called me to preach. I had a lot to learn. And God taught me a lot of things, still teaching me a lot of things. You know, God's people ought to count it a privilege to serve Him. And I'll close with this. If people were looking at your life, what you're doing, how you talk, the way you dress, everything involved, they look at your life. Is there enough evidence in your life to demonstrate if you were hauled into a court to, to prove that you were a Christian? That you really loved the Lord Jesus Christ? That you were really one of His children? What would the verdict be? I know what I want in my heart. I want to serve Christ. I'm barely 71 years old. I feel like I'm just beginning. As far as Ukraine is concerned, I have people who say, Brother Carl, when are you going to retire? I say, show me retirement in the Bible. God has to change what we do, how we do it sometimes, but God's in charge. Retirement, God's retirement program is better than man can give anyway. I said, God, you supply, the, you supply the finances. You give me the health. You keep the door open. I'm in Ukraine. Unless God changes, that's where my heart is. I appreciate your prayers for us. And I pray that God would take what small portion of the word we've shared today, that you would take it to heart. You say, God, I want to serve you in my church, out on the field somewhere, in the community or wherever it might be. I'm yours, and you're not too old. You're not too old. You say, I've never done it before. Time to start. Don't quit if you're already doing it. We thank you very much. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, it is a privilege to serve the eternal God of heaven. The one who created everything and the Lord Jesus Christ who came and died for us. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done and all that you have in plan for each one of us. I pray that we would be faithful in doing your will. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.